Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL episode of the Action Network Podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs. Here with me is Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is our Director of Predictive Analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy football rankers for the past half decade. And Chris is a Senior Editor and Analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of the Action Network show on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. Gentlemen, Sean and Chris, how's it going? I'm excited, man. It's, it's, it's about to be week one. There's nothing better than this time of year. Nothing better. Yeah, not about to be. It actually is week one. Uh, Sean, how are you doing with uh, your projection process? You're really uh, juggling a lot of balls in the air right now. <laughs> yeah, it's madness. But, I've, you know, I'm looking forward to week one. Um, preseason projections are in, in the rearview mirror now. And then, you know, season projections, we only have a couple more days of that. So I'm looking forward to just focusing on the, the matchups and the weekly projections uh, going forward. All right, very excited for this episode. We are coming at you with the NFL Week 1 Fantasy Flex. We're going to touch on the players at the top of our rankings to discuss the guys we are high and low on, potential streamers and daily fantasy values, fades, and tournament plays. As always, we're going to speculate on a couple of prop bets for each position. And at the end of the show, we will answer some Week 1 questions for season-long leagues and DFS. And most importantly, we are joined by an extra special guest, Rich Rebar, a.k.a. Lord Reeves, a football analyst and writer for Sharp football analysis rich my man how's it going what's going on guys we finally made it week one you know i'm excited to do this podcast because not only do you and i have a good relationship go back to the road of his email thread days you know raybon i've actually hung out with him a few times over the past month but this is the first time i had to spend any time with saruman corner the wizard of the rankings and the projections special week one present to us all you know uh me and sean get to do something together this is a really special episode, so let's jump into it. <sighs> Reeves, uh, I want to get some insight on the top players in your rankings for quarterback. And I'm assuming right now, so I should say, we have our rankings. Uh, you can find those at Action Network. Uh, we also have the DFS models at Fantasy Labs. The top three quarterbacks in our rankings, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and Kyler Murray sneaking in there at number three, uh, thanks to some strong ranking on the part of Raybon and myself. But Reeves, where are you on uh, the, the top quarterbacks in your rankings? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you guys on Watson. I mean, especially when you look at that, that game sets up. Or we just haven't had Deshaun Watson get to play a lot of catch-up, especially last year. But you look at his career, I mean, he's just been so electric when they have to put points on the board. I mean, he's averaged 8.7 yards per pass attempt, 109.8 rating while they're trailing, you know, as opposed to 7.4 yards per pass attempt while he's got to play with the lead, you know. So we get him in a trail mode on Monday night, you know, in the dome, in the course field of the NFL. Uh, I actually like Breeze in that game. I didn't, uh, you know, it's, you guys didn't mention Drew Breeze, but I mean, it's a great setup for Drew Breeze. We like to play him early in the season. We like to play him at home early in the season. So, I mean, they've got the highest team total on the board too. Kyler Murray's pretty interesting and strong, aggressive plays. I mean, he's a guy that uh, I hope I'm wrong on week one, but I'm kind of, you know, in more like team fade with him week one. You know, when you look at the Lions, uh, they, were, they were second in the NFL in rushing points allowed to quarterbacks last year, and they faced a litany of guys, two yards to Cam Newton, two yards to Dak Prescott. Josh Allen only had 16 yards against them. Uh, you know, you look at that defensive front, you know, Sean Robinson, you know, Snacks, uh, you would bring Mike Daniels in against that front. Like, it's 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 going to be tough sledding there. Uh, plus, we just don't know defensively, are they going to be able to stop the run game at all this year? I'm sure we'll talk a lot about, the, you know, when we get to the running backs and the receivers in that game in general. So, I mean, I'm curious to see the pacing of that game and how it goes uh, for Kyler Murray. I hope I'm wrong because I'm team Kyler Murray for the season. But this, this first three-week stretch for the Cardinals and not really knowing what they're going to bring to the table – uh, is, presents a lot of, you know, challenges if, you, if you're in on Kyler Murray, you know, real early in the season. All right, Rich, you are talking a little too much sense for me. Uh, I'm going to have to kick it to Raybon here because I know he has uh, Murray in his top three. But uh, Raybon, where are you with Murray? Why are you ranking him in the top three? Well, what you have is a situation where, and these don't come along too often, but 
I think Murray's a little lower because there's, you don't have a precedent. You don't know exactly how fast they're going to go. But the bottom line is the Detroit defense, uh, their back end, I don't think it's very good. Uh, Matt Patricia said as much. So, yeah, some of these quarterbacks uh, don't run because they can, they can throw on them. Um, but I just think that he is going to, to, to be able to, uh, you know, move up and down the field. I think that I would take the, the Cardinals, you know, what is it, plus 2.5 right now. I just think that there's a lot of uncertainty, and so people are kind of staying away saying, hey, you know, let me get uh, – let me see him. Let me see them for a game first. But I think, like, this is the best time to invest, uh, particularly in, in DFS when, you know, uh, we'll see where his ownership ends up at. But uh, I think, you know, I'm not seeing him too high in, in everyone else's rankings like – uh, you and R. So um, I'm really looking to, uh, forward to investing in, in Kyler uh, in DFS. All right. So Sean, you have Kyler ranked 11th right now, which is totally reasonable. I have to say that's like the, the moderate, like median projection. That makes sense. Um, but in the top three, obviously you have Mahomes and Watson. And then at number three, you have Jameis Winston. Can you talk about him a little bit? Yeah, I, I will say, though, it's funny how, you know, I'm obviously the lowest on Murray, as always, between us with projections, but I ended up with him in our Action Network draft in the, in the ninth round, so I don't know how that happened. But anyways, yeah, so I think Kyler Murray, um, you know, these are medium projections. If, if I were to do odds on who's going to have the highest score quarterback, he might be in the top three or four. Um, a lot of these guys in the, the QB1 range are – um, QB's in a very easy matchup, and I, I don't think their ceiling's very high, but they have a high floor. And with Murray, we don't really know his floor. So that's that's sort of my caution for my week one rank for him. Um, but, yeah, I, I have Winston at the top, um, sort of this uh, big uh, QB1 tier where I have six or seven quarterbacks separated by a half point. I just think Winston offers the highest uh, floor-ceiling combo um, this week. Um, so he's a guy I'm going to be overweight on um, in DFS, obviously, and then season-long. I've been raving about him all summer. So he's a guy that I've, I'm much higher on uh, than you guys, it appears. All right, Rich, uh, I want to kick it to you and get some thoughts on the quarterbacks that for week one you are relatively high on or relatively low on. Yeah, Winston is there for me, especially when you look at this the San Francisco defense, how it lays out. We know they invested into pass rushers this offseason with D Ford and Nick Bost, but neither one played at all in the preseason, you know, because they were hurt. Uh, we know the back end is still a major issue. So, I mean, Winston is definitely one of those guys on the board. If, if, if That game has trap potential, but mostly from the 49ers side. I think that if their team's going to hold up there in the bargain, it, it will be Tampa Bay at home. Uh, and they, even the, they played last year, and Winston was the QB8 in that matchup as well. So, I mean, you're getting a lot of squeeze on Winston in the matchup. Uh, for the negative side, I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes, man. I mean, it's it's got to be Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he looked at you know, last year's lowest scoring game in the season came against the Jaguars at home, 15.8 points. It was the only game in which he didn't throw a touchdown pass. He was a QB 17 for fantasy that week. Now he's on the road uh, in Jacksonville this week. Uh, so, I mean, he's a guy that uh, I, I actually am six, which is pretty, pretty much as like as low as you can put him. Uh, you know, I feel, but uh, yeah, he's a guy I think that probably in realistic range of outcomes, like, probably is not going to finish QB6. I, I think that he probably has good odds of not finishing there. So, I mean, he'd be a guy that would be a little more on the negative side. And, obviously, you drafted him in the second or third round if you're in gen pop leagues. And if you're in these industry leagues, you drafted him probably the fifth round plus. You're, you're playing him no matter what. And you can live with, like, a 15 points. But expectation-based uh, in context of Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I'm a little more down on him this week than I believe uh, his, what he typically offers. Rayvon, I'm, I'm looking at the rankings and I see that you are relatively high on Jared Goff, uh, although uh, I have him ranked where you do, uh, but high compared to corner. Uh, and then you are also relatively low on Lamar Jackson. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two guys? Well, I just think you have the potential for uh, two very different game scripts in those two games you mentioned. You know, Rams, Panthers with Cam Newton – um, looking like he is healthy and, and ready to go, uh, that is, that's going to be uh, probably one of the highest scoring games uh, on the slate. Uh, again, Jared Goff uh, in 23 games with Cooper Cup, 8.6 yards per pass attempt. Now, pass attempts, uh, are, you are going to start to see some predictiveness, you know, around that, you know, four or 500 mark. So the fact that he's played 23 games and kind of sustained that, that essentially outlying efficiency with Cup, you know, says a lot. And I just think, um, you know, with all his guys healthy, with Gurley healthy, with Henderson, um, where you haven't really seen what the special packages for him yet. So I'm sure they'll kind of, they will kind of catch the defense off guard with something. He's going to cook something up for him. Uh, I just think there's a tremendous 
uh, tremendous upside with Goff. Whereas Lamar Jackson, on the other hand, I, I have a lot of respect for the Ravens' defense. Uh, I, I just think that the Dolphins, their implied point total right now is it's sitting at like 15, and uh, that could just create a game script where you don't need Lamar Jackson dropping back a ton. You don't need him, you know, trying to work out the kinks in the passing game in this, in this matchup because uh, you should be able to take care of the Dolphins. So that's the only reason, um, you know, it's not a knock against uh, Jackson or even, you know, the matchup from, you know, I don't think the Dolphins are a good defense, but, uh, and I would, I would say he's a fine streamer, but, you know, there's the potential for the Ravens to win like 20 to six and, and, and all the touchdowns are rushing. Uh, and if, if Lamar Jackson doesn't get one, then you're looking at a, you know, a kind of mediocre day. All right, Sean, uh, I want to kick it to you. You are high on Lamar and you are also high on Dak and Kirk Cousins. Uh, can you talk about those guys? Um, yeah, so the guys that I specifically highlighted for values in terms of DFS, I, I feel like the only thing I've compared my projections to so far, um, their DK price. And yeah, Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz specifically, uh, stand out for me. They're, they're both in the mid um, 5,500 range. Um, I just think both those guys have a really high floor this week. I'm not so sure uh, Wentz's ceiling is, is high, but I'm um, just based on those prices alone. I, I feel like those guys I'm higher on um, than most. Um, and then um, just in terms of fades and, and guys that I'm probably lower on are uh, Cam Newton and Russell Wilson. Um, they're both over 6k on DK and, you know, with Cam Newton, I think with the, the ankle, um, we're not going to see that rushing upside. Um, so he's, he's definitely not worth that price this week. So I've, I've bumped down his, his rushing projections in my model. Um, and then Russell Wilson, you know, at home against the Bengals, they should win this pretty easily. Um, and his pass catching situation is a bit of a mess right now. So um, I'm fading him this week. Uh, I think they're going to lean on Chris Carson a ton. So um, he's, he's a little too expensive uh, at 6.3K right now. Rich, is there a quarterback or a couple of quarterbacks on waivers right now that you would feel comfortable grabbing and using as streamers uh, or guys that are potential deep flyers that you think have a real chance of maybe winning a GPP this week? I mean, as far as streaming, I don't know about winning a GPP, but I mean, if, if, you can, if, if Matthew Stafford can't get over this week, then it's just not like he can't get over like, at any point. We'll just know week one immediately if he's ever in the streaming conversation at all. I mean, you look at this Arizona situation and their defensive backfield, they're playing, their top four corners are Tremaine Brock, Byron Murphy, Charles Washington, Chris Jones. The only guy out of those three that even played a snap last year defensively was Tremaine Brock, and he's on his fifth team in four years. Uh, it's th- th- that defense they showed us in preseason, they, what they showed us last year. They can't stop anyone. Uh, now, what you worry about Stafford's last year, career lows, you know, you know, pass attempts per game, completions, passing yardage. If they're going to just are – they, are they a team that's willing to just, you know, be old school football, you know, run the football and not care and run it just down the Cardinals' throats the whole game? Uh, but GPPs, like tournament-wise, I mean, uh, always, man, are the, the GPP darling. I mean, Josh Allen. I mean, he's got, and he's got you know, stack potential with John Brown in this game. Uh, you know, obviously you have to worry about if the rushing is going to hold for Josh Allen. I mean, you look at last year, he scrambled down 11.9% of his dropbacks last year. It was the highest rate since Michael Vick in 2010. You know, they added some pieces to the offensive line. But this is a team that also showed in the preseason they still want to play open and play to Josh Allen's strengths. You know, if he doesn't have a read, he's going to take off. I mean, that's what the whole point of switching, you know, halfway through the year when he came back from injury. And he was second in spread dropbacks when he came back last year. So, I mean, he's one of those guys that is always going to have a low floor for weekly, but as one of those guys that's always going to have spike week potential uh, for fantasy. And he's playing a team that, like, really plays into his strengths as far as, like, airing the football out with, you know, John Brown uh, this week against the Jets who just couldn't stop any receivers – you know, last season, this season, uh, the, the secondary is still the biggest question mark they have, and Tremaine Johnson's coming off of that injury, and it's still questionable if he's going to play week one. So, I mean, he's one of those guys I'd be looking at always. You know, he's a, he's a layup, you know, GPP kind of target. Sean, where are you uh, in terms of streamers and deep flyers? Yeah, so I'm on the same page uh, with Reeves. I think he basically hit the nail on the head. If you can't stream Stafford this week, then I don't know when you could. Um, this is a perfect matchup for him. Um, don't be scared. You know, they're favored by two points. That doesn't mean they're going to be up by a ton and running the ball the entire game. Kind of ignore last season's stats of Stafford. Um, you know, he's playing with a broken back. This year, his pass catchers are much better. Um, this game could turn into a shootout. We know that the, the Cardinals are going to try to push the pace, um, and their defense is in rough shape right now. So I just think... Um, you roll Stafford out uh, this week and, you know, head-to-head season-long leagues. Uh, but, you know, for a GPP flyer, Reeves is right again. Josh Allen's the guy. 
Um, he's always the guy with the highest ceiling and lowest floor in my model. Um, so if you're in a GPP, um, go with him because, you know, he's, he's one of the cheaper guys that you get a super high ceiling for. For Stafford and DFS, he doesn't really have that high ceiling you're looking for, but season-long leagues, um, he's certainly my top streamer of the week. Raybon, what do you think? I mean, who's a guy who consistently just, like, defies expectations at the randomest times? Nick Foles. He's going against Kansas City. They're in a game with a 52 over-under. Um, you know, that Kansas City pass defense, I think, still a bit suspect. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be a guy on nobody's radar that they're implied for 24 points. Uh, this is a team that, you know, averaged, you know, I think it was under 20 per game last season. So, um, you know, they're, they're going to be, I think, substantially better just because they're not trying uh, to, to hide the quarterback. They have a healthy Leonard Fournette, which is going to, you know, take a little pressure off the pass game. A guy we like a lot, D. Westbrook, um, he should be healthy uh, along with Chart Conley. Uh, maybe even Marquise Lee. So uh, I think you could see a, a bit of a surprise from Foles, if, uh, especially if the Kansas City Chiefs can – because, you know, this game is – again, it's, it might be low expectation for the Chiefs relative to what they do, but it's still a game with a 52 over and under that I think a lot of people are going to overlook because it's the Jaguars, and I think the value, um, of course, is on the Jaguars. And we know those opposing quarterback correlations are some of the strongest correlations uh, in, in the NFL when you talk about fantasy. So, um, yes, I think Patrick Mahomes maybe, maybe goes a little bit under expectation, but you're still getting – you're still leveraging that correlation with Foles. So I have him as a, a low-end QB2 this week. He'd usually be out of my top 24, but I have him uh, just sneaking inside the top 24 this week. All right. In previous seasons, we, uh, <clears throat> of course, have had the, the uh, skill game prop contest. Uh, we've normally done that at the end of the show. What we're doing this year is we're splitting it up by position and peppering it throughout the show. Uh, I should mention that we have a wonderful props tool, which is powered by the projections that Sean creates each week. Uh, and you can use that to make a nice little profit for yourself. We have that at Fantasy Labs. Uh, week one lines are not uh, out yet as of recording. Uh, so Sean is going to give us some peek behind the curtain of what he thinks some of the early lines could be so that you can jump on those when they're released. Sean, uh, give us a couple of player props. Okay, so this is the moment I've been waiting for. We finally get everyone on record with Kyler Murray. Um, so we're, we're kicking it off with his passing yards. Um, this week against the Lions, um, I have the Lions set at 250 and a half yards. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go over. Rayvon, you're over, right? Yeah, I just think yeah. um, it could be the pace. Like, he could, he could average a low yard per attempt. I mean, you know, he, they did have some trouble at times, you know, uh, kind of with the snap, kind of miss, misfiring on some throws on the run. But I just think they are going to push the pace enough uh, for him to get over it one way or another. I just want to say I'm I'm angry at this, Sean, because I, I know that I know what you're doing to us. I know we're taking a bad line, but I'm I'm gonna say over. Reeves, where are you on this? I think I have to say over too, just based on the pace and the fact that it's pass it's gonna be a complete pass funnel defense. Like it's hundred percent. Like they aren't gonna run the football at all in this game. Like they're just not going to. <laughs> I, yeah, I think you guys, I mean, get ready for Sunday. Uh, I, I think the, uh, the line's, the line's going to be 240, 245 at most books, yeah. is what I'm guessing, if not lower. So um, I might be there with you guys. The, next up, I, I like doing props that, um, you know, are key to get right. And I think a lot of the, the QB projections are pretty straightforward right now, but I want to get your guys' pick on Lamar Jackson, um, specifically his rushing yards at Miami this week. I have the over-under set at 55 and a half. I think that is a great line. Uh, I have him project, projected for just around 54. Uh, so I will take the under there, but I think it's really close. I am going to go under as well. I just think that this is a game where um, he might not have to do too much. Echo all of that. You know, this is a game where I think you'll see the backs do a lot of the work, especially in the second half of that game. So that's under. Man, I'm getting slammed on these. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, even though I took the under there, I think Lamar Jackson definitely has a lot of upside against Miami. I mean, it really could be, from a rushing perspective, a, a full-on eruption game. I'm talking about an orgy of fantasy scoring. Let's talk about erectile dysfunction, baby. Oh, yeah. Our good friends at Roman are back with the sponsorship, which means that it is time for another strong, robust, manly Roman ad read about erectile dysfunction. Guys, if you ever find yourself in a situation in which your starting fantasy lineup is letting you down, hit the waiver wire and find yourself a stud league winner with Roman. Studies show that 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. 
Thankfully, Roman has created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and treated online. With Roman, you get appropriate care for ED from the comfort and privacy of home, and you can handle everything online. Getting started is simple. Go to GetRoman.com action and complete an online visit. In consultation with your doctor, you can get genuine medication discreetly delivered to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go online, get checked out by the doctor, get your medicine, and then get into the end zone with Roman. For a free online visit and free two-day shipping, go to GetRoman.com slash action. That is GetRoman.com slash action to get started. GetRoman.com slash action. One guy who doesn't need help from Roman is Peter Jennings, a.k.a. CSU Ram 88, a two-time DFS world champion and co-founder of Fantasy Labs. Peter, we snuck you into this episode. How's it going? Great, man. I can't believe week one's here. Uh, probably done too many drafts this season, but excited and uh, ready for some DFS. Yeah, it's good to have you on the show. And, you know, week one is always interesting because salaries are released about a month before the slate. So there's a lot of time for values to open up across the board. From a roster construction standpoint, how do you think you're going to approach cash games and GPPs this week? Well, cash games, there's a, there's a ton of value like there is every every year uh, on week one. Cash games, I think there's a couple guys you just have to get in your lineup. And then there's some closer calls. In tournaments, you want to be cognizant of where the chalk is going to be. Um, and I think there's some roster construction moves you can make. I think some game stacks in general are just naturally going to be contrarian. And uh, you definitely want to make you know the right moves because in general, weeks one through four in the NFL season, the best time to be contrarian is early. As we get more data, it's going to be tougher and tougher to make you know really profitable contrarian moves who are the few players uh who have caught your eye for week one one guy who's starting to become my favorite quarterback is Carson Wentz uh really impressed with this Eagles offense they have a ton of depth they have a ton of great receivers Deshaun Jackson in the fold now assuming he plays with his finger JJRC Whiteside uh is a talented rookie you got two great tight ends and Carson Wentz is 5700 on DraftKings going against the Redskins so he's someone who's really risen up my projection ranks recently and he's standing out uh, as a strong quarterback uh at running back you have so many really really good options that it's tough I think Dalvin Cook after a big preseason uh stands out quite a bit as someone who's going to be pretty chalky and rightfully so. But the wide receiver position, I, I think both Minnesota receivers are going to be chalk as well. Uh, they're great prices, both Thielen and Diggs. And in general, the the receiver position is a little trickier to figure out because you're, you're wanting to spend there. And a lot of the top receivers are on the shorter slate. So I think both Minnesota receivers are going to be popular, which creates an interesting situation. Dalvin Cook and the Minnesota receivers all expect to be chalk. How do you handle that? Probably boost the ownership of Kirk Cousins as well. All right, Pete, last question here. News is broken today that Ezekiel Elliott seems likely to sign a $90 million contract extension, which means that he's probably going to play in week one. What are your thoughts on Zeke for cash games and tournaments? Man, I love this whole Dallas offense. I was really excited to potentially play Tony Pollard, and we'll see what ends up coming to fruition with Zeke. But assuming he plays, I think uh, all the Dallas pieces are, are great options. I do think because Zeke is very expensive and there's so many clear value plays at running back, he might be somewhat contrarian. Uh, he's been in the news, so that's something to factor in. Uh, once he does sign that huge contract, you know, the casual fan's going to plug him in. In tournaments, I absolutely love Dak and receivers. Obviously, I'm biased towards Amari Cooper, but another guy, Michael Gallup, has been exceptional all offseason, training camp, preseason. I think he's a boom-bust play. It could be a really nice tournament play. So I, on the tournament side, I would go away from Zeke uh, and prefer the passing game. All right, that was Peter Jennings. Pete, thank you for dropping in. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. All right, I'm going to kick this Zeke question over to the other guys. Uh, Reeves, where does Zeke rank if he is actually playing in week one? Uh, and relative to the other guys, I'm assuming that are at the top of your ranks, like McCaffrey, Barkley, and Kamara. Yeah, I haven't uh, updated the ranks for this news because it was right against the edge of when we were coming on. But uh, off the top of my head, I mean, I would have to think he's going to be like a like a high RB2, mid-RB2. I mean, you think about when this happened a couple years ago with Le'Veon Bell where he held out all training camp, came back right before the start of the season. He played his fewest, uh, highest, lowest share of snaps he played all season. He was at 72% and then was at 90% like the rest of the way out. I think we probably got something similar. I mean, Zeke's been running on the beach in Cabo. The pictures have been look good, the couple that we have gotten. But we have to expect seven-point home favorites that it's going to be a situation where he's not given that full allotment of work. And I think we already had probably had some questions, or at least I did, of whether his target share was going to remain similar to where it was. So, I mean, he'd be more of like a, a floor play for me. I don't know if the ceiling's quite there for, for Zeke week one. 
All right, Sean, I want to kick it to you because I think from the narrative front, there could be this desire to get Zeke as much action as he can handle in the wake of this uh, contract extension where, you know, like Jerry would be like whispering in Garrett's ear, like, give him the ball, give him the ball. But I, I mean, that's just total narrative street. And it's probably a trashy thing to take into account when thinking about how this plays out. But what are your early thoughts on where we will slot in Zeke in the rankings? Yeah, I, I don't know if I buy that because they're going to want to protect their $90 million asset at that point. Um, I, I was kind of looking forward to him sitting this week and loading up on Pollard and seeing how that would shape out. If Pollard was starting, I, I feel like then they would have you know piled it on him uh, to kind of put pressure on Zeke. Uh, I obviously haven't updated my rankings yet, but I think uh, I'll, I'll have Zeke as a low-end RB1. Um, so basically, you know, he's a must-play in season-long leagues and an obvious fade. Um, in DFS, uh, I think they will try to limit him some. You know, Rayvon has, has done some great work talking about guys, you know, coming back from a holdout. So I, I think they will be a bit cautious. So right now, I'm tentatively uh, have him as a low-end RB1. Rayvon, is that where you are? I think he's going to end up in in my top five because and, – and I, I agree. I think they will, but, um, you know, not give him his full workload. But I, I've knocked off some workload of my model. He averaged 20.5 carries – 5.1 receptions last year. So he was averaging about 25 touches a game. I've knocked him down to about three and a half receptions and uh, 17.5 carries. So uh, just over 20 touches in the game. I think that's, I think he still gets there, honestly. I, I don't know that, um, you know, it's not like he has been doing nothing. I think he has been working out. And I think they are going to want to get him into the end zone. I think they kind of want to, you know, it, it is narrative street, but I think they would like after this whole, you know, off season and, and back and forth to kind of make a statement. So I'm not knocking him down too much, um, you know, cause I, I, I'm, but I am give, taking about four touches off. That's about 15% or so. And he's still, he's still right there in the top five. So that kind of shows you his, uh, his upside. So I, I think even in DFS, if like he, if everyone else is going to fade him, uh, I'll be on him. If, if everyone else, if he's going to be the chalk, then, then yeah, I'll fade him. Yeah, Rayvon, uh, I agree with you completely. I think even if they take some touches away and reduce the level of snaps, I think he still gets at least 18 touches um, and, you know, a decent chance to get into the end zone. So uh, I think 18 touches plus a touchdown, maybe even, you know, like two touchdowns, but, you know, I, 18 touches and a touchdown, I, I think that puts him in the top five for me. Uh, so we have McCaffrey, Barkley, and Kamara in some order uh, as the top three guys. Uh, Rich, after those guys, who are you relatively high on? And then who do you feel you are low on at running back? I think uh, the, the Dalvin Cook will be pretty chalky uh, as, as an upside guy people will be on. But, I mean, Chris Carson, just where he left off last season and how this sets up this year. I mean, he closed the season with three straight top scoring weeks in the top six. Uh, they get a home game, you know, against the Bengals, a Bengals team that just didn't travel at all last year. It'll be better this year, um, but they're also probably going to be more play volume for the opposition against the Bengals this year because they're going to run at a lot higher pace than they did last year. They were they were in the fewest places in the NFL the past two seasons combined. Uh, you know, they allowed 145 rushing yards per game on the road last year. Like I said, just didn't travel. They're getting a team in Seattle at home, ran the ball the most in the NFL, ran the ball uh, for the most yards per game at home. Just sets up for a real good game for Chris Carson. And then you factor in the re receivers that Russell Wilson has, like Sean alluded to, who gets targets after, you know, Tyler Lockett. And they've talked up, you know, getting targets to Chris Carson more this year too. So, I mean, a, a guy that was 60th in, at his position in targets per game last year is going to have an opportunity to climb that, that board a little bit, give you a little bit of something. He won't be a guy that you count on for receiving per week, but it just a little bit helps him out a lot. And he carries that high, you know, upside. Um, as far as uh, uh, fades, um, I think you're probably looking at, uh, you know, the, the guys on, you know, Thursday night, Aaron Jones has kind of a, a rough outlook against the Bears. Uh, and then, you know, Devontae Freeman, you know, a guy that's probably going to be in that fringe RB1, RB2 range, but probably I'm a little lower this week uh, against the Vikings. You know, the, you look at the what the Falcons have done against Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer's kind of had their number, you know, over, over their three meetings that he's faced Matt Ryan in, the, in this offense. Uh, so, I mean, the opportunity is going to be there for Freeman, but I, I think he's going to have to get into the end zone this week to kind of hit that, you know, the area of where he's going to be. I think he's just going to be pretty much a yardage-only guy uh, in week one. All right, uh, Sean, who do you think that you are high and low on uh, in the rankings? Yeah, so for this week, uh, I'm pretty high on Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, those are guys that we were a little bit cautious investing um, for a whole season on, but, you know, heading into week one, both are healthy. And when they're both healthy, 
Um, we know they're going to put up uh, big numbers. And, you know, Leonard Fournette um, against the Chiefs, I, I just think he's going to have a massive workload, especially in the passing game. He's going to get a ton of dump-offs. Um, and a little sneaky news before the season started is Alfred Blue um, got sent to the IR. So he has even less competition behind him. Uh, it's it's pretty clear Reckel Armstead's his his handcuff. So if he's available, I would I would pick him up. But um, either way, like he's he's set up for a massive workload. This is a perfect um, game for him. So I'm I'm really high on him uh, for week one. Yeah, totally agree there, uh, Raybon. What are your thoughts? And again, I get all my guys sniped because I love Carson. I I love the call on Fournette as well. I mean, Jacksonville averaged 32 rush attempts. Up per game with him in the lineup, they only scored 19 points. So I just think that like that whole Jags offense is underrated. Westbrook, Foles, uh, Fournette. I think they're going to have to to put up some points. So um, you know Carson and Eckler. I think Austin Eckler uh, of the Chargers, as long as Melvin Gordon continues to uh, you know to, to to hold out, I think Eckler is the guy that is going to um, you know push for top 10 numbers uh, this week. And uh, and Justin Jackson, I think could, could have some flex value as well. All right, Sean, who are you low on? Well, I mean, the obvious one is Damian Williams. Um, I think everybody realizes that Sean McCoy is going to hurt his value some. But the the guys that I'm low on compared to most are probably Derrick Henry. Um, I I don't like this matchup. Um, We we know that he does better in in game flows where they're winning and, you know, um, they're facing the Browns. So I expect him to be trailing a lot. And, you know, Henry's missed a lot of time with his calf injury. I think he'll start the year off slow. Um, We saw that last year. He tends to – pick it up once defenses start to wear uh, wear down later in the season. So he's a guy that I think will get better as the year goes on. And then Le'Veon Bell, um, you know, he didn't play at all in the preseason. And Adam Gase has said that they, they want to ease him in. Um, and Ty Montgomery looked great. I think Ty Montgomery's ha- going to have a much larger role than people realize week one. Uh, so Le'Veon Bell is a guy that I'm being a little more cautious on and not giving him a full uh, workload this week. All right, Ray Bond, what about you? Who are you low on? Uh, so yeah, I, I, I agree on that. Henry, I think Henry is going to, you know, he's outside, he's just outside my top, um, my top 20 in PPR this week. So I, I don't think he'll, he'll have a, a great game necessarily. Um, I think, uh, you know, a lot of the guys on, um, the, on the, on the 49ers, like, uh, I just don't know exactly how the workload is going to shake out. So I'm kind of conservative with Coleman and, and Breida this week. I think they might end up throwing the ball a little bit on that on that defense. So Darius Geis, I, st- I know that they said they're going to give him, uh, you know, a larger uh, percentage of the carries than Adrian Peterson. Uh, but I still don't like him going up against this uh, Philadelphia Eagle front in a, a game where they're a big underdog. So I, I don't really want to touch uh, any of him. I think uh, this will probably end up being a Chris Thompson game. That's what you usually see, especially if uh, if Jordan Reed misses the game. I think that uh, sets Thompson up uh, very nicely uh, to do to do work. And the, the Eagles ranked number five in rush defense DVOA. So Geis is not a guy that I'd want to uh, to start this week. All right, let's talk about some potential streamers and deep flyers or kind of GPP type of plays. Rich, uh, who are the guys who are catching your eye? He's probably a, a streamer based on what you have on your roster, but I mean, Chris had him as, as Austin Eckler. You probably got him as your RB3 or later on your roster, so you might have some guys that you draft ahead of him that you say, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to play him over these guys to start the season. But, I mean, he's he's going against a Colts team that were number one in target rate, uh, opposing teams targeted their running backs, the highest rate in the league against the Colts last year. That true Tampa 2, Matt Everfluss, like zone scheme, they're predicated on allowing short completions and dump-offs. Philip Rivers completely willing to do that, you know, dump it off to, you know, to, to Austin Eckler a ton in this game. I mean, the only question you have is if, you know, you can get it, if you can get a tug from him. Uh, that's probably the only question we have on him. But he's probably better than the guys that you guys talked about. You ran down that list that you've taken over him, the, the Derrick Henrys of the world and the RB2 range. You do, I would totally play Eckler over those guys. Uh, and then like that Buccaneer situation, we just don't really know either. Peyton Barber was a guy who had a top 20 week against the 49ers at home in the situation a year ago. And it's probably like an all right guy to like plug into a flex and hope for hope for something. But uh, the Bane upside guys in those situations that we're looking for are in, in these committee type situations. So we're not like looking at a lot of upside there. I mean, the guy that probably everyone's going to look to is, is carry on Johnson and he'll probably be the most chalkiest play. We didn't even talk about him in the running back situation because, you know, a lot of people just don't know, 
uh, how that split's going to work out. But if you look at last year when he was the starter, he was getting 17.4 touches per game, still giving up 11 touches per game to the other running backs. I think that's probably we see something similar in that type of split. Uh, and then, you know, we're getting a, a, a large floor based on that Cardinals defense, you know, in terms of yardage. Uh, so, I mean, carry going to be one of those guys that's really popular uh, in, in that area this, this week. Yeah, Rich, going off of the conversation uh, with Carrion, one guy who catches my eye is C.J. Anderson um, because he could potentially be the goal line back there. He could have double-digit touches. Uh, if you're looking to stream or maybe even just some sort of really deep GPP play, but more the streamer, uh, I think he's someone uh, who could actually return value if uh, you're desperate at this point in the season. And totally agree uh, with Austin Eckler. Uh, Raybon and I actually both have him ranked in the top 10 uh, in, in PPR uh, for running backs right now. Uh, Sean, where are you with streamers or uh, deep flyers? So first off, if you're streaming running back week one, you have some issues. Um, so I would say a stash would be Raquel Armstead, who I, who I mentioned earlier. Um, he's clearly uh, Leonard Fournette's handcuff now that um, Alfred Blue's on the IR. Um, you don't want to be playing week one, though. I just want to make that clear. But he should see, um, you know, enough touches each week where once bye weeks fill, you know, start happening, he could be an emergency uh, play. But he's he's a high upside running back backup that you should all have um, if he's available. Um, for, you know, a GPP flyer, um, I think Miles Sanders makes sense. Um, he's only 3.9K. I know people are going to try to be um, take a wait-and-see approach with him. Um, you know, he could break out as the season goes on, but it could happen this week. Um, so this could be the cheapest and lowest own he'll ever be this season. So I think that, you know, taking a, a chance on him um, and some, some lineups this week uh, makes sense. They, they should win pretty easily um, against the Redskins. So he's, he's who I consider a GPP flyer who uh, might be popular. I don't, I'm not sure yet, but it just seems like this week uh, would be the lowest own he'll be all season. Yeah, I like that call on Sanders. I think the uh, the future is now with him. Raybon, where are you on streamers and or flyers? I like that Eagles game too. I actually think that uh, Jordan Howard uh, is an interesting play as well because um, if you look back at, at, at the Eagles against the Redskins um, last season, like Josh Adams had 20 carries, 85 yards against the uh, – uh, against the Redskins, uh, and then in Week 17, um, you know their backs combined for for you know well over 100 yards uh, and another 50, 69 through the air. So it was just everyone was getting involved. I think I think Sanders and Howard are the two guys with that 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 line creeping towards 10. The Eagles have a ton of upside on the ground, and I think more people will actually be on Sanders um, because because of, of that $3,900 price tag. But Howard is a guy who, if you're looking for some sneaky two touchdown upside. Uh, in a game where, where where a team is a big favorite and no one really believes in him, uh, I think he's a guy. He did that even on the Bears uh, a few times uh, over these co- last couple of years. So um, I'm looking at him as well. Yeah, Rayvon, we'll we'll both be tilting together when Darren Sproles has two touchdowns on uh, four touches. That's, uh, uh, that's exactly even, what I was thinking too. Yeah. Uh, don't put that in the universe. No, don't do it's, that. It's very possible. Very possible. That guy is like the small Frank Gore. Uh, okay, Sean, uh, give us some props here. Uh, so I want to start off with Damian Williams um, having some trouble with his projection because I'm not really sure how much McCoy is going to be involved this week. Um, so right now I have his overrunner for rushing and receiving yards at 65 and a half. I mean, this is tough. That's a because you know, I was waiting for you to drop yards from scrimmage because he's the guy we want the pass catching running back here, and he's, he had five or more catches and four of his five starts. The only one was Week 17 where he didn't play the whole game. And if you're talking about receiving work, I mean, five catches can get you in the 40-yard range, and then we're talking 20, you know, 20 rushing yards, 25 rushing yards. So, I mean, that number is kind of right there. Um, but you look at last year, they really didn't throw to Kareem Hunt in that game, which also throws it for a loop. You know, I think Kareem Hunt had two catches in that Jaguars game last year. I'll take the under just because you're relying on the catches, I think, to get there. Yeah, I'm going under. Uh, Chiefs backs against the Jaguars had – Chiefs halfbacks had combined uh, two catches – uh, for 20 yards in that game. And then Anthony Sherman also had a 15-yard catch. But um, you didn't see a lot. Uh, and I do think uh, Andy Reid is actually kind of infatuated with McCoy. And it's not like McCoy's been out to where they have to ease him back in. I mean, he's been – he played in a preseason game for Buffalo. Like, he's been in camp playing football. Um, so, so I do think this will be more of a, a true split. I agree with Ray on there. I, I do think uh, McCoy is going to get some significant usage. So I actually have this projected right around 64. So I'll take the under. It's close. It's right there. Based on the news, let's switch it to Zeke. So I've been doing some live updates. Um, he's now my RB6. So let's do Zeke. Uh, total rushing and receiving yards. Um, I have the over-under at 103 and a half. I'll take the over. I'm going under. There's just way too many outs for me on the under. 
I am going over. I, I have him, you know, I told you I knocked off a decent chunk of his workload and he's still coming. He's still coming out a little bit over that for me. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the over there. All right, let's, uh, let's transition to wide receivers. Uh, our top players in the rankings, uh, Hopkins, Adams, and Juju. Juju sneaking in to the top three thanks to some strong ranking uh, on the part of yours truly. I have him number one overall because that is my brand. Reeves, where are you with your top three wide receivers? Yeah, I mean, uh, I have Hopkins one. I mean, it's just, you, you know, you get the shootout potential. We talked about Watson. The Saints also were both last in the league in yardage allowed per game to opposing wide receiver ones. Uh, we still don't know. Will Fuller coming off the ACL. Sets up well for Hopkins. Adams is just so rock solid. He probably had arguably the worst schedule for a lead wide receiver last year and just hit every week. But I mean, some of the, you know, more fun guys, I think in there, um, I'm going to have, I'm going to probably have Tyler Lockett like really high. Uh, just based on this week. I mean, I don't know if the passing volume is going to be there, but, you know, he's a guy that's going to be in, in the slot for more of a snaps now than he was last year with Doug Baldwin. He's going against the Bengals, who are they allowed the eight points in the slot per, uh, per game a year ago. Uh, just no competition at all. So, I mean, even if he only gets eight to ten targets, I mean, there's just an opportunity uh, for, for him to smash there. So, I mean, I'm going to have him as a wide receiver one uh, this week. Yeah, Reeves, uh, I'm there with you. I actually have him. I don't. I don't want to say how high I have him uh, ranked in PPR because it's embarrassing. Um, but he definitely is a wide receiver one for me. Sean, I want to kick it to you. You actually have. Uh, you also have Juju in the top three. You have him number two overall. Can you talk about why you have him ranked so highly? You know, this week, especially the top eight, I would say are all pretty close. So you know, there, there isn't some strong projection I have for him. My real question is um, I think Raybon has him like seventh or something. So he's really holding us back with the Juju ranking. So I kind of want to know what Raybon's sticking there. But uh, I saw who Raybon has ranked higher and I can't disagree with anybody. Um, I just think that the top seven or eight right now um, are all pretty interchangeable, you know, especially when it comes to DFS. I, I think I'm going to be pretty spread out um, on all of these guys because I think everybody um, is set up for a good uh, week one matchup. Yeah, Raybon, not to say that you are really down on Juju, but can you give us the more uh, pessimistic uh, thesis on him this week relative to other guys like Michael Thomas or OBJ or any of the other guys? Bill Belichick game planning that secondary, having all offseason for this, having no Antonio Brown to worry about. I mean, Bill Belichick, they were they had this string of just shutting down, um, you know, teams' top options like all season last year. Like for a while, it was like this cliche, but it returned in full force. They were not like they, they gave up a big game to Tyreek Hill, and then they really just kind of put the clamps on on everyone for, for like the last uh, you know 10, 12 games of the season. They have they have a lot of different versatile pieces in that secondary, and even if you look back. Um, so the Steelers and uh, Patriots played in week number 15. So not even that long ago in terms of, um, you know, you know what we're looking at sample-wise. Juju in that game had uh, 10 targets, four catches, 40 yards. And that was a game where Antonio Brown only had four catches for 49 yards and a touchdown. So you had 17 targets, only eight caught for 98 yards um, between those two guys who, you know, the rest of the year they were essentially breaking records as a tandem. So – um, I, I'm just really uh, cautious when it comes to putting, you know, these guys with a, a target on their back uh, up high against the New England Patriots at this point. Rayvon, I hear you, but let's just assume that all 17 of those targets go to Juju and he gets all 98 of those yards. <laughs> it's it's going to be perfect. Uh, Rich, uh, you said you're high on Lockett. Who else are you high on? And then who are you low on? Well, I mean, I hate to just keep beating the dead horse on the Lions, but I mean, the, the correlation obviously is there. We talked about the DBs with the Cardinals. I mean, even the ghost of Danny Amendola probably could could have like a top 40 week, you know, PPR this week, and that, it's not far-fetched. Uh, but Chris Godwin, I mean, eat the chalk on Chris Godwin. He played 100% of the team snaps with Jameis Winston in that big slot role that's preseason. Kwan Williams is already hurt for the 49ers. He might not play. If that happens, he'll go against Jimmy Ward. Uh, um Tyler Boyd in that same game we talked about the, the dueling Tylers. Um, I, you know, the Bengals have such a low team total. I don't know if people are going to steer clear of Tyler Boyd, but he's another guy. This preseason, he had 26% of Andy Dalton's targets. He's going to just get fed targets. I mean, uh, there's no secondary target in that offense like that you're concerned about at all. Um, I have him also as like a fringe wide receiver one this week. Um, you know, so, I mean, it, you look at – and there are people will talk about his splits that he was better without uh, – with A.J. Green on the field than without. But when you look at when he played without Green 
uh, and Dalton was under center. He was a wide receiver three or better in all four games, the games that he had played without Green or Green left early. He had two top ten scoring weeks in that span as well. Uh, you're not scared of any of the secondary players uh, in Seattle. Um, they're probably going to be chasing points. So, I mean, uh, I'm definitely really high on both the Tylers uh, in that game. All right, so I hate to say this uh, because I'm a, a Tyler Boyd denier, uh, but I'm also actually pretty high on him this game. I, I was so high on him in the, in the first round of projections that I had to go back and adjust the Cincinnati team projections down just because I didn't want to be that high on Tyler Boyd. Uh, Sean, where are you uh, in terms of players you're high on and low on? Um, so players I'm high on um, you know, versus pricing is Sterling Shepard. Um, at Dallas, he's only 5K. I, I think he's, you know, a lock for 10 or so targets um, with Golden Tate out. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm curious if his ownership's going to be high. So he's, he's a guy I could potentially fade, even though my projections um, say to take him. And then the guy I'm high on, and I don't care how owned he is or anything, is D.D. Westbrook at 4.8K um, against the Chiefs. I've been raving about him all offseason. So this is probably the best matchup and lowest price he'll be. Um, so I'm gonna have a ton of DD this week, um, and then my fades uh, are gonna be Amari Cooper uh, at 7K. You know he's dealing his uh, plantar fasciitis is flared up. It's happened in the past, um, so I think uh, you know that could uh, limit him some this week. So uh, I'm fading on fading him, and they should win that game pretty easily. So they they probably won't need to lean on the pass game as much. Um, and then also Alshon Jeffrey. Um, he's 5.9K. Um, another situation where the, the Eagles should win pretty easily. Um, there's a ton of weapons there. So he's just a little too expensive um, compared to other guys in that price range. He's a guy where, um, you know, I'm going to target him weeks where they should throw more um, and, you know, his upside's there. But th- this week I, I, I'm just staying away from Alshon Jeffrey altogether. All right, Raybon, what about you? So this is more of a, a showdown play, um, but I love Allen Robinson this week. Um, you know, he's a guy who they, when they, when they played uh, Green Bay last year, they just came out gunning it to him. Uh, this Green Bay team, you know, Mike Patton's still the defensive coordinator. Uh, his defenses have just been abysmal against number one uh, wideouts. Uh, Football Outsiders does uh, the schedule-adjusted targets uh, to, to wide receiver ones, twos, et cetera. Uh, and, and Mike Patton's defenses, uh, you know, 20, in 2018, uh, 32nd, a.k.a. the most uh, highest target rate uh, schedule-adjusted to wide receiver ones. Uh, then he, he had a couple years off, but before that, he, in, he was last coordinating in 2015. Uh, they ranked 24th, 26th, 27th, 25th, 29th, and 21st. So his defenses have been in the bottom 20 um, for seven straight years in, in target rate to wide receiver ones. Uh, Trey Burton is a little bit banged up uh, as well. So I, I think you're going to see a real healthy dose of Robinson. And if you look at, uh, you know, the outside corners for Green Bay, um, it's uh, Jair Alexander, Kevin King. Tremont Williams actually played well in the slot. But uh, Alexander and King, out of the 96 cornerbacks that PFF has in their, in their uh, matchup, uh, cornerback matchup page, um, both of those guys are in the, you know, outside the top 80 in terms of uh, giving up yards per route run. So I just think there's a ton of upside for Robinson. If, uh, if you take out the, the, the sample where, with Chase Daniel starting um, and you also kind of uh, include the, the playoff game that he played with Trubisky, um, his, his stat line looks a lot different than what it ended up being. Um, he's, he's well over four catches and into that mid fours. And, and I think that that's where he's going to kind of be at this year. He's only 26 uh, and now another year removed uh, from that ACL tear. Rich, where are you on streamers and flyers? So streamers and flyers, uh, a pretty good week for it this, this week. And probably some guys that went undrafted. I mean, Marquis Goodwin is the first guy that dr- jumps out properly. I mean, Dante Pettis still st- struggling through motivational tactics. He's dealing with a groin injury as well. Uh, Debo Samuel Kendrick Bourne probably will, won't play like full snaps either. So, I mean, you're getting Marquise Goodwin locked in against a Bucks team that was, you know, they were 27th in receptions allowed per game to opposing receivers, um, you know, despite being 13th in targets face to wide receivers. Uh, it's, a bad, it's a bad secondary. Vernon Hargraves, you'll get a lot of him. You just need that big play from him. Uh, He's in the Monday night game, I mean, but Ted Ginn, I mean, a veteran wide receiver, still starting over Traquan Smith. Uh, We get him at home in a game we like Drew Brees. It's the highest total on the slate. Uh, He averages over 60 yards receiving per game in his 10 games played in New Orleans at home. Um, And then opposite of Goodwin uh, is probably a guy that probably was definitely not drafted in any leagues is is Brashad Perriman. He's going to be on the field almost the whole game uh, against the 49ers defense that was 25th 
uh, in points allowed to opposing wideouts last year, in 24th in, in you know yards per target. Uh, I think w- when you look at Perriman, he's very similar in terms of target projection and matchup to a guy people are pretty high on in Rashard Higgins. Uh, so I mean, he's a nice pivot off of that you know uh, opportunity. All right, Sean, streamers and flyers. Um, so for streamers and flyers, uh, one guy that I just wanted to put his name out in the universe because I haven't heard him or like seen anything written up on him yet is Damian Willis. Um, he's supposed to start for A.J. Green. Um, I, I know people are going to load up on Tyler Boyd and Tyler Eifert uh, for this matchup, but he's a guy to, you know, just keep on your radar. I wouldn't necessarily start him in season-long leagues, but he's worth a flyer and a massive GPP. Um, I think he's going to be pretty low-owned. And he did look good in preseason, so I think there's a chance he could step up uh, while A.J. Green's out. Um, the other uh, flyers, I, I would say, are just the Miami uh, receivers. Um, I still haven't really sorted it out quite yet early Tuesday. But, you know, Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, um, even guys like Preston Williams and Jakeem Grant, um, they all get a boost with um, Kenny Stills gone. And, you know, even though it's a tough matchup um, against the Ravens, you know, Fitzpatrick is quarterback. So, you know, he's going to do something uh, crazy and we'll, we'll underrate them. So I just think one of these guys could have a big game. Um, and then the other guy, um, he's not really a crazy flyer, um, but it'd be Michael Gallup. Um, I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm, I'm fading Amari Cooper this week. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, if they limit Cooper at all, uh, Gallup could have a big game. So he's a guy, he's a cheaper option I'm looking at target this week. Fits magic to Jakeem the Dream. It's uh, definitely going to happen. Raybon, where are you on streamers and flyers? That's funny that you say that because I actually, if Albert Wilson starts, I mean, this guy was tearing it up last year. Um, and he would probably, uh, you know, go against Brandon Carr, which I think it's not the best fit in terms of Carr being able to cover Wilson. So um, I do think those, those Miami receivers are guys that you can kind of look to. And listen, I like Kenny Stills in this, uh, you know, for, for, for the Houston Texans. I think everyone's kind of like, oh, he's probably going to get less of a target share. But uh, the bottom line is, you know, when a team trades for a guy, they like him. This is a revenge game for him, uh, you know, playing New Orleans. And, I mean, how hard is it for uh, a guy who can get open deep to, to catch, like, t- two long touchdowns from Deshaun Watson? Like, you know, Will Fuller, like, c- like, comes back from injury every year. It seems like the first game back. He's just like, ah, oh, you know, three, you know, he's just right back to where he was. So, I think Kenny Stills could have a similar type of upside. Um, and a lot of people are kind of, like, playing it cautious. But, uh, I think that game with the over-under set at 53 right now, a lot of upside. So I like the gin call as well. All right, Sean, hit us with a couple of sweet props. All right, so first up, I mean, we always have to do a prop on this guy when he's active and playing. So Josh Gordon, um, total receiving yards. Uh, over-under oh – God, I'm going to have to update it real quick. Um, over-under 52 and a half. You definitely just moved it up. <laughs> I, I know the- – I'm not going to say which direction I moved it. I'll take the under here. I mean – we know it was his last game he played last year, so we don't know where his headspace at, but just one catch for 19 yards. I think where you look where the Steelers are beatable, it's to running backs on the backfield in the middle of the field. So, I mean, I, I still think it's a big, high Edelman game. And uh, so, I mean, I'm going to go under here. I'm going to go over. Um, I actually do have him a bit higher than that. Uh, I think this is a little bit different situation than last year. For one, um, they, they were kind of proactive uh, a little bit about, about getting him ready. They played him in the fourth preseason game. He's actually been – around it wasn't like he's you know the situation is just a little different so I think that he starts a little quicker this year and uh the Pittsburgh Steelers uh do you know I think their defense will be improved but they had issues um you know with, with wide receivers last season so um yeah I'm, I'm going over that one uh I'm being the donkey on this but I will go over uh, I will hammer the over all right um next up is Antonio Brown um <laughs> Yeah, this is a tough one to, to gauge this week. Um, and we need to get Friedman on record, too. Uh, so, over, under, God, uh, 78 and a half receiving yards. Oh, that's so good. I think that's pretty good. Um, I, my, my number is a little bit over, but I'm going to go under just as a, a matter of principle. Um, but, I, I mean, it's for, like, PPR, I still have him ranked as a top 10 guy, a, a low-end top 10 guy or low-end wide receiver one, but I'm, I'm going to go under on the, the prop. You said 78.5, right? Yeah. I have him at 78.7. Oh, well, you that, have that. to go over then, right? <laughs> oh, but no, variance. It's, it, if that's a median projection, I should go under. But I think Antonio Brown still has it. I think he's going to want to make a statement. So give me the over. Yeah, this one's tough because the number's right there. Um, and he's, you know, it depends on the Broncos want to play this because, I mean, Chris Harris probably won't shadow him. And he's, Chris Harris is 
playing outside this year instead of in the slot. Um, he actually cooked Chris Harris two years ago, like just unbelievably, like it was like absolutely roasted him. Uh, and, and plus, like Raymond said, I actually do kind of buy some of the narrative here that like what's happened this offseason, it being on Monday night, uh, them being at home, everything that's happened to Antonio Brown, that like they just jam him. They jam him with targets. Uh, and then if he doesn't draw Chris Harris, it means Chris Harris is going to be on Tyra Williams. I, I think it's just a high value game. I think that hell or high water, they're going to give this dude like 15 plus targets on, in this game on Monday. So I think he could catch half of them and get the 78. It, it's going to be so personally tilting for me when he goes <laughs> off. It's, I'm, I'm going to hate it. Uh, but yeah, again, uh, I have him ranked in my top 10 right now for this week. Uh, I don't mind him for DFS. Uh, speaking of DFS, it's time to celebrate because football is finally back. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football, is celebrating with huge week one contests. The first one starts this Thursday night when Chicago and Green Bay kick off the season in a single-game showdown contest and $2.5 million in total prizes up for grabs. Draft your single-game showdown lineup and feel the sweat like never before. It's simple. Just draft six players from the season opener, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, new users who sign up today on Draft. DraftKings using the code NFLPOD will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game, quite like having a shot at a million-dollar payday. Get in on the season opener action now. Download the DraftKings app and use the code NFLPOD. For a limited time, both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. And new users, don't miss this extra special week one bonus. Use the code NFLPOD to get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. That's NFLPOD. Only at DraftKings, make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25X playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Uh, okay tight ends. Uh, we're going to go through this pretty quickly because I don't know what else there is to say except uh, Kelsey, Ertz, and Kittle are the clear top three. Uh, so, Reeves, who are you high on and who are you low on at the position? And I know you already mentioned Tyler Eifert. I'm high on him too. Uh, who are some of the other guys? It's, it's really crazy for tight end this week because like literally the top of ADP, all those dudes run into awesome matchups, even when you get underneath, even when you get the second tier. I mean, OJ Howard's in a good spot. Evan Ingram's in a great spot because, you know, no Golden Tate. Last year, both games against the Cowboys, uh, he caught 12 of 15 targets for 148 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Hunter Henry's in a great spot. We talked about how the that, that Tampa 2's true Matt Everflow system is. Opposing tight end scored 24% of the, of the fantasy points against the Colts last year. That was the highest rate. Of, of any uh, team in the league. Jared Cook runs into a team that was 23rd in DVOA against tight ends and 28th in fantasy points allowed. Like the top of the position just runs into really good layouts. Uh, so it's really chalky this week uh, as far as ranking goes. It's going to look a lot like ADP. Um, you know, I think that uh, if you're looking – I guess I'll save them for like the streamers and just like that. let that be my take uh, that this that it's going to look very similar to ADP. Everyone has just a really good layout as it, as it laid out for those top seven guys. All right, Sean, where are you at? Um, so I like uh, Austin Hooper uh, a ton uh, at 3.2K. Another guy I've been banging the, the Hooper drum all offseason, so I kind of have to put my money where my mouth is. I just like him at this price. I think this will be one of the cheapest um, weeks for him this year. Uh, I think he's going to have a great year. Um, and then, you know, Kyle, in the same game, I think Kyle Rudolph is another guy people have been overlooking. Um, he's 3.3K. Um, so I like him a lot in this matchup. Sort of, you know, under the radar kind of guys where – um, they could put up similar production to sort of the top guys, but you're getting them at a uh, super discount this week. All right, Raybon, what about you? Yeah, I like um, – I think Greg Olson's an interesting one because that game, uh, I think Carolina is going to need some to score. And, and Sean kind of mentioned it. Uh, he made a really good point. You know, probably want to bump down Cam Newton's rushing uh, this week. Well, if that happens, Cam Newton for the first time last year, um, you know, was able to kind of hang in the pocket and, and, and do like a lot more um, – you know, shorter intermediate passing. And I think with North Turner scheme, uh, I think you could see uh, Olsen as a guy that kind of, you know, what in his like two healthy games that he plays this year, he's, he's probably going to be all right for now. Um, I think you could see him put up some points and he has a few avenues to do so because if the Rams are truly as good as we think, uh, or at least that, as I think they're going to be uh, on offense, I mean, they've already been spectacular. Uh, this could be a, a catch-up game for the Panthers. And if Cam's not running, uh, that, that really opens it up for, for, for Olsen because, remember, you still have, you know, Aqib Tlaib, Nicole Rome, Coleman in the slot. They were excellent last year. Um, and Marcus Peters was a lot better when Tlaib was on the field. So um, that, that was a defense that, that really 
um, you know, kind of funneled the ball away from the wide receiver position um, when they had all their guys healthy and they actually allowed the fourth most schedule adjusted uh, yardage uh, yards per game to tight end 67 per game, uh, according to football outsiders. So I think Olsen's a guy people will sleep on or just be cautious about because he's been gone for so long, but um, scored uh, four touchdowns in his last uh, seven games um, while playing limited snaps. So I think he has some upside. All right, Reeves, uh, if you had to stream at the position, who would you be looking at? Yeah, I had Olsen as my, one of my guys for the next couple takes, you know, and then Rayvon hit the nail on the head because when Tlaib was there and the, if you look at their wide receiver production splits when Tlaib played and did it, it was, it was completely night and day. I mean, in the 11 games that Tlaib played last season, just 7.2 yards per target to opposing wideouts, only five touchdowns in those 11 games to wide receivers. You know, compared to the eight games they didn't have to leave, it was 16 touchdowns, 10.9 yards for target receivers. Uh, definitely sets up good for Olsen. Um, I think if you're if you're streaming, if we're talking about truly streaming, like guys that probably weren't drafted or the bottom of the barrel, I mean, though, I want to pair my guy with Rayvon's guy that he's streaming Nick Foles, and we got to look at, you know, Goff Swaim, Jeff Swaim. You know, uh, it's doubtful you need to go that deep week one. But, I mean, he's not Zach Ertz by any means. We know Foles is willing to throw the tight end, so you're piggybacking off of, like, Foles' positive outlook. The Chiefs are 29th in targets allowed per game to tight ends a year ago, 28th in receptions. Tyron Matthews an upgrade over Eric Berry and what they had last year, but I mean it's still some some PPR volume here. And then I'm just gonna keep beating the dead horse and that just keep it's it's a rookie tight end. But I mean TJ Hawkinson was on the field for 80% of the snaps with Matt Stafford in that in that week three preseason game. He caught three passes for 52 yards in that game. There's big play uh, ability there. So I mean I'm just listen I'm I'm going Lions onslaught fully every everyone across the board. Uh, all right, Sean, if you have to go deep at the position, who are you looking at? Um, so mine kind of depends on Jordan Reed's status, um, who, you know, I think could miss uh, week one. Then I'm going to go to the Vernon Davis well. Um, you know, a lot of these streamer tight ends, they're just basically touchdown dart throws. But with Davis, he does actually have some yardage upside uh, whenever Reed's out, especially with the uh, Redskins pass catchers being sort of a disaster right now. So I think if Reed is out, Vernon Davis is a guy that should be available in most leagues and, and would be a decent streaming option. All right, Raybon, what about you? You know, deep, deep, deep. I think, uh, you know, we've been hearing about him all summer. Um, you know, Darren Waller uh, of the Oakland Raiders. I think I think the, the Broncos, um, you know, they, Chris Harris is still a good corner. So he's going to – if he takes out Tyrell Williams, I mean, somebody else is going to have to, to, to catch the football. Um, you know, I think they're, having, they're going through some injuries at, at linebacker as well. So uh, I think Waller's a guy who – uh, you know, they, they might try to get involved early and try to establish that aspect uh, of their offense because it would be good for them going forward. And I mean, a real deep, deep streamer. I mean, um, if, if, if we think that Zeke for any reason is just getting even a, a, a tiny bit less work, um, well, you know, who's a guy who kills the Giants who um, would probably be the most likely guy to get a touchdown in the, in the red zone if it wasn't Zeke, Jason Witten. Um, he could have, like, he might have one good game this year, and it might be this game. Um, and it might just be like a welcome back type of thing, and then we never hear from him again. Uh, but, uh, so, yeah, that, that's a really deep one if you're, uh, if you're, if you're so inclined. All right, uh, I will set the prop for Sean. Uh, Jason Witten, touchdowns uh, over, under, two and a half. I think that's a, <laughs> a pretty good line for week one. Uh, okay, Sean, hit us with some props. Okay, so I'm actually changing up on you guys. The first guy, I, I have to do this, um, and I'm going to do a little bit different. Whoever chimes in first gets the opening line, and then I'm allowed to adjust it after that because this guy's prop, and we have to do this guy while he's healthy, so I'm, I'm putting it out there, but Tyler Eifert um, at Seattle. All right, so my opening line – is 31 and a half over saving yards. Okay, so you got the over on that. So the new line is now 34 and a half. I'm betting it again over. Yeah. I mean, they, <laughs> ooh, damn, I'm going to get a tough line here. What's the, what's, what's the, what do I get now? Um, let's see. I need to really balance the book here. I'll give you 37 and a half. Ah, I still got to go over. I still got to go okay. over. I, it, there's no one there. There's no one there. There's Tyler Boyd and, 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 and that's it. Like, I, I like Willis, but I mean, I think I for, if he's on the field, he's probably gonna get he's probably gonna get forty yards. I have him at I have him at forty five actually, so I, I, I have to take that over. Yeah. All right. So next up, another uh, Freeman guy. Um, same thing. Whoever throws out there first gets the number. Um, Mark Andrews receiving yards um, over under thirty nine and a half. Over. All right. New line. I'll go under. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, going under <laughs> I'm going under that even. <laughs> new line's forty nine. Uh, forty one and a half. 
under just because it sets up as a game where the Ravens may not have to uh, do much on offense. Yeah, I just I have to go over uh, for the brand if no other reason. But uh, I, I also I mean I literally do have him projected for over, so uh, I don't mind it. Uh, okay, we're going to uh, rapid fire uh, take some questions uh, that we got on Twitter. Uh, so Reeves, the first one for you, it is from Ron Gill. Full PPR flex spot pick two: Tony Pollard, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler. Eckler is an in, uh, and I just think you have to go based on the news. You have to just play the safe volume and go rookie Jacobs over rookie Montgomery. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next one is for you, Sean. is from Darren Clark. What are the odds that Leonard Fournette is a top three scoring running back in week one? So I, I can't do this off the top of my head, but I do have something set up roughly, and it's going to be around 9 to 12% depending on Zeke playing or not. Okay. Rayvon, next one's for you from Steven Dominguez. Full PPR, sit one player. Pollard, Eckler, Carson, or carry on? Oh, that's easy. You got to sit Pollard. I mean, yeah. all of those other three guys have major, major upside. Pollard might just a committee back at best if Zeke is back in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, the next few questions are from Steven. I'm kicking this one to you, Reeves. Standard league, Josh Jacobs at home versus Denver or Eckler at home versus Indy? Uh, I got Eckler higher. Yeah. Uh, Sean, for you, half PPR, start one. Pollard, Robbie Anderson, or Jarvis Landry? Well, obviously not Pollard anymore. Um, I would probably lean Landry. I think Robbie Anderson is still questionable. But as always, you know, look at my uh, final rankings before you uh, set up any, uh, make any lineup decisions. But Robbie Anderson's the guy we're going to have to monitor this week. Yeah. Uh, Raybon, for you, standard league, Mike Williams versus Indy or David Montgomery at Green Bay? Uh, I like Montgomery at Green Bay, uh, you know, Matt Nagy, whole offseason, the kind of game plan, uh, you know, actually use Jordan Howard a ton. I think he got five catches in one of those Green Bay games. So uh, I think Montgomery has some upside this week. All right, Reeves, this is, this is for you from Terrence Parker. Uh, who should I drop to pick up a kicker? Uh, he has two quarterbacks, Dak or Kyler. Uh, and then at running back, he has James White, Latavius, Peyton Barber, and Tony Pollard. And then at wide receiver, DJ Moore, Christian Kirk, Jamison Crowder, and MVS. I mean, you got to drop one of the quarterbacks. You have to. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's got to be one of the guys you're not playing. So, I mean, I've got Dak higher than Kyler. I hate putting him out there, but, I mean, you just have to drop one of the quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. You, you probably shouldn't have two quarterbacks here. Um, Sean, going to you. This is from Michael Balk. Uh, standard running back in flex. Uh, which one guy do I sit? Derrick Henry, Chris Carson, Tevin Coleman, or Damian Williams? It's, it's got to be between um, Damian and Coleman, I think. Um, uh, yeah, since it's standard, I would probably bench Damian. Um, uh, I agree with you guys that uh, McCoy will probably have a bigger workload this, this week than I than anticipated. Um, and with Coleman, you know, with McKinnon on the IR, um, I've been boosting Coleman in my projections. All right, final question here. Raybon is from Tactic. I have Kyler and Russell. Should I drop one of them to pick up Jameis Winston? I also have OJ and Goodwin. Is that too much Tampa Bay? Uh, it's not too much Tampa Bay. Um, I actually, like, uh, I know, I think Sean will disagree with me, but I actually like owning, like, the pieces, the skill players in Tampa Bay a little more than uh, than Winston. He's kind of always, he's never quite, like, hit that hump um, and sustained it to, to be a, uh, a full-fledged like you know QB1 it's always been like he, he gets there but then he's turning the ball over so he gets benched um and I'm a little bit concerned with like uh Byron Leftwich, who who's like the first thing he says is hey we want to kind of dial it back and make him take the check down and this and that like uh so so I like the the, the Tampa Bay skill players because I think that the target shares are concentrated but um I, I want to kind of see what, what what's going to happen with Jameis um so I wouldn't drop I wouldn't drop anyway I would, I would keep uh, I would keep rolling with Kyler all right, Rich, uh, what content should people check out at Sharp Football Analysis? Yeah, so I'm doing all my content over there at Sharp Football this year. Obviously, the worksheet is there. It's going to be a little bit different. Uh, you know, you're gonna, it's going to be game by game, not just like a wall of text. Uh, we're going to split up some of that. Uh, I'll be doing all my DFS stuff there as well. Uh, so definitely head over there. I brought, I brought in some uh, Rotoviz guys, some of the younger Rotoviz guys, not us old stalwarts, so to come help me out. So guys like Cody Byrne and Matt Jones are going to be doing some work for me over at Rotoviz this year uh, to help me you know, round out some of my content. So definitely, you know, go over to Sharp Football uh, and, and hit us up. Uh, you know, Warren's a really, really, really good dude. I don't want to run into the pond and just say he's a sharp dude, but uh, uh, Warren knows what he's doing. All right, that sounds great. Be sure to check all that content out and follow Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker Chris Raybon and Matt F. The Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track 
stack your bets for free. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network Podcast. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever you get your podcast. See you again next episode. 